Thank you. Well, good evening. How are you tonight? Can we pull a little bit off that mic? It's a little hot. Thank you for coming out. I hope that you'll enjoy yourself. How many of you would like a better life? Be honest. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place where you wanted more out of your life? Have you? Tonight we're going to talk about, we're going to begin to talk about how you can have the life that you dream about. How many would like to have the life of your dreams? Now some of you are sitting there saying, well that sounds good Herb, but I've heard things like this before. I'm not even sure it's possible. Test one, check. Check. Test one. It's always interesting what happens on opening night, isn't it? Let's give our sound crew a round of applause. They're working hard. I want to explain to you this evening that what you choose to believe tonight will make the, de- the determining factor in whether or not you experience the life change that you came here for. You see, all of us at some point in another or another... Test one, check. Is this on? All of us at one point or another have found ourselves wanting something greater. And I want to ask you tonight as we begin to list for me some of the things that you've wanted in life. What are they? If you have anything more in your life, what would it be? Talk to me. A house. A house? Alright. How many have ever wanted a bigger or nicer house? Be honest. Let's be honest. Okay, anything else? I'm sorry? Change of character. Change of character. Yeah. How many of us would like our character improved? Yeah. Anything else? Less work. How many would like to have more time for the things you enjoy? Yeah. You know, they're not making any more of that stuff called time. But I have a hunch that we can learn in this seminar how to manage our time better. Amen? Anything else? Health? How many would like better health? Good, good. What else would you like? You tell me. Because I need to know what to help you experience during this seminar. Amen? I don't want to go through and just tell you a bunch of stuff of how to have great happiness and joy if nobody here wants any. You understand what I'm saying? Are you with me? What else do you want? Okay, alright, alright. Maybe some more rest. That might help. Anything else? Talk to me. Boy, are Californians different than folks in the South? Do you talk out loud? This is supposed to be a 45 minute presentation, but I promise you I have lots of patience. And I will wait for you to answer my questions. They're not rhetorical. And this presentation might turn into an hour and a half by the likes of you. But I encourage you to speak up. Give me one more thing that you would like more of in your life. Improved relationships. How many would like improved relationships in their life? I want you to take your pens with me this evening. If you need a pen, all of you have a handout. If you need a pen, raise your hand and one of the greeters here will get you a pen. I want you to place on your outline in one of those gray sections there the center of a sun. Just the center of it. Just the circle. And out from this circle, I want you to draw five rays. Are you with me? How many? How many? Five. Good. Five rays. And these rays are vital. These rays stand for the five areas that every person on planet Earth would like to see improvement in in their life. The first one is emotional healing. Got it? What's the first one? Emotional healing. I'll explain why we start with that one in a moment. The second one, other things that we want in life fall into this category, fitness and health. The third one is spiritual, and I, 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 I'm reluctant to put it up here, but spiritual fulfillment. Now, I want to be clear when I say this. I'm not talking about religiosity. Are you with me? I'm not talking about a person being religious. 
Have you met religious people who are miserable? There are very strict religious people out there, and yet they're not happy. This is a life improvement seminar, amen? This is about spiritual fulfillment. The, the fourth one is mental development. How many would like to just be smarter? Anybody here? It's not incriminating to admit that. How many would like a better memory? Anybody here? I want to share with you, did you know that all of you in this room tonight, whether you know it or not, all of you in this room tonight have a photographic memory? How many believe that? It's true. Everything you have ever seen, it's in there. Got it? The problem isn't your memory. The problem is your recall. Got it? How many would like to improve their ability to recall what's in there? There you go. And the last one is financial freedom. How many would... And I... Always get in trouble for asking this, but how many would like a little bit of more money in their life? Anybody here? Be honest. Those of you who aren't raising your hands, you're not being honest. These are the five areas that every human being today in North America wants to experience improvement in. Can you find at least one area up on that board that you would like to have better results in in your life? Anybody here? You can find at least one. We're going to begin in this seminar with the first one up here. We're going to go clockwise around the sunshine. That sun stands for the dawning of a better day. How many would like a better day? A dawning of a new day in their life. We're going to start with emotional healing. The reason we start with that is because many of the... The habits we have in health come because we're trying to satisfy something that's broken in us emotionally. Do you understand what I mean by that? We have certain addictions when it comes to our health. And the reason we have those addictions is because really it's not necessarily our, our health habits. It's the, it's the emotional brokenness that we're experiencing that drive us to those habits. How many agree with me tonight? You've seen that before. As we get to fitness and health, we're going to talk about... How you can experience greater health and greater fitness in your life. We're going to move to that one next to spiritual fulfillment. I want to encourage you to be here for that. Because that is one of the most surprising topics. Surprising series of presentations that's in the entire series. And certainly it applies to all of us. But it will shock you to discover why it is we don't experience spiritual fulfillment nowadays. Mental development. We're going to move into that one. Help you increase your memory. Help you increase your ability to reason. Help you increase your ability to think for yourself. Thinking for yourself is a dying art in North America. Have you noticed that? We're slowly losing the ability to think. And we're going to talk about that. But the final one we're going to end off with, and I want to encourage you to stay with the entire series, because by next Sunday afternoon, we're going to embark upon the subject of financial freedom. Now, I want to encourage you also, this is a Bible-based seminar. Now, I want to be careful. This is not a religious seminar. Do you understand the difference? No? You see, the premise of this is that the Bible contains for us principles by which life operates the most successfully. Now, I understand the Bible has been abused. I understand well-meaning people have abused it, haven't they? Have you ever met religious people that have abused it? But I want to share with you the story of two gentlemen who are on Wall Street right now. They decided to create a business and they decided to run it strictly by the book of Proverbs. They were not religious men. They weren't Christians, so to speak. They simply decided they were going to run their business according to the principles that they found in just the book of Proverbs alone. Within six months, they had a multi-million dollar business. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? I think it's incredible. Are there other areas of our life that we can catch principles for at the center of all this? And this is why I want to encourage you to come back for tomorrow afternoon. At the center of all this is a giant question mark. There's a principle here that we're going to talk about that's going to unlock for us success in every one of these areas of our life. Do you want to know what that principle is? Dare I share it with you? How many would like to know what it is? Come back tomorrow afternoon and I'll tell you. Tonight we're going to begin with the story of my own life. I want to share with you one of the greatest kept secrets for life fulfillment. 
Many of the times we've attended seminars or we've gone through programs. And let me just ask you, how many have gone to a seminar of this nature before that's dealt with issues or, or topics like this? How many have ever been to a life improvement seminar before? Many times we go to a seminar like this and we hear good things, but after a little while that all fades away and we're right back where we started. I want to explain to you tonight why that happens and help you understand what the foundation of life change is. How many of you tonight can remember when you were four years old? Anyone here? How about three? Can you go back as far as three? Okay. Now we're testing your memory. How about two? You have a memory from when you were two, year old, two years old. How about one year old? How many can remember back as far as one? Usually there's only one or two hands. For some of us it's easier to remember when we were one than others. But I want you to think back to a time when you were younger. My earliest memory in life was when I was four. It was 1979. You can do the math later. I was seated in one of those 70's metal high chairs. Do you remember those with the two metal rods that protruded off of either side? Had the stainless steel tray that clamped down on, the, on those two rods? Do you remember the sound that that tray made when it clamped into place? Children had nightmares about their high chairs back then. I think that's why they came up with plastic ones. But I remember seated in this 1970's high chair and on this stainless steel tray was one of those... <laughs> Do you remember the puke green Tupperware bowls of the 70's? Anybody remember those? And in this Tupperware bowl was my favorite cereal as a child. Now I know we're going to talk about health, but we didn't know anything about that back then. Anyone want to guess what my favorite cereal was as a child? Cheerios. You guys are so wholesome. Captain Crunch is getting close. Add a little bit more color. Trix is real close. Not Cocoa Puffs. More colorful. Fruit Loops. That's right. Fruit Loops. And that was my favorite cereal as a child. My wife doesn't let me eat them anymore. But they're still my favorite cereal. Here I was eating my Fruit Loops. Four years old. My father was standing to my right and my mother was standing to my left. And does anyone want to guess what was transpiring between them? Did anybody here got parents? Does anyone want to guess what was transpiring between them? Yes, you do have parents. They were arguing. That's right. They were fighting and I'll tell you the discussion that they had was of such intensity that it lodged itself in my mind as my first memory in life. That's what did it. It's interesting that before I turned five, my parents went through what many folks do today. They became separated and divorced. And I found myself overnight in the late 70s being raised by a single mom. Anybody here raised by a single mom? Or maybe you are a single mom. Anyone here? You'll be able to identify a little bit with what I'm going to share with you this evening. You see, I remember growing up. And my mother was a hard worker in the late 70's in West Virginia the economics were tough. The economics have always been tough in West Virginia but they were especially tough in the 70's. And my mom, anyone want to guess what she did for a living? Waitress? That's close, she made tips. She didn't make tips. Any other guesses? No, she didn't do that. <laughs> Any other guesses? Seems just as close. It had to deal with how people appear. Yes, she was a hairdresser. She cut hair for a living and she used to work long hours. I remember she would drop me off early in the morning at my aunt's house. Do you remember those old Superman pajamas with the feet sewn into them? Kids could slide across the hardwood floors. Anybody remember those? I, can I just be honest with you tonight? Can I be honest? If I had my Superman pajamas and my Spider-Man underoos, I was one four-year-old you did not want to mess with. Are you hearing me? I was unstoppable. I would spin you up with a web and then fly you to the moon. Yeah, that was me as a four-year-old. She dropped me off early at my aunt's house. She would work all day long and it would be so late when she got off work, she would pick me back up and I was back in my pajamas again. I don't think my mom ever saw me in normal clothes growing up. And although the time we got was limited, the time we got was very special. My mother and I became fast friends. But something else was being shaped for me that I wouldn't have been able to put into words as a child. The closer I got to my mother, something else was forming inside my little head and my little heart. You see, I remember overhearing of a man who refused to pay child support. I remember overhearing about a man who other people called my father, who folks said had abandoned us for another woman and I want you to pause for a moment 
And I want you to think of it for a moment. As a four-year-old child, when I heard the word us, did I think plural, mom and me? When I heard us, it wasn't plural, what was it? It was singular, that's right. He left who? He left me. It's ironic enough, I grew up in a town, a small town. I don't know if you folks from California can identify with this. But I grew up in a town that was 2,500 people. How many? 2,500 people. And you can imagine in a town that small, the streets aren't too long. Got it? I actually grew up, this is no exaggeration, I actually grew up on the same street that my father also lived on, 20 houses away. And I can remember birthdays coming and going, and not so much as even a birthday card to say, Happy birthday, son. Think of you. Hope you're doing well. No contact whatsoever. When I turned 14, I decided I was going to go meet him for the first time. And you have to understand something about this visit. It wasn't like I really wanted to. Have you ever had anything in life that you really didn't want to do, but you thought you should do it, so you did it anyways? Anyone ever had something like that? It's kind of of a compulsory nature. You know what I'm talking about? Hopefully tonight is not one of those events for any of you here. But that's what it was like going to visit my father. I can remember going to see him, and, I, and it really wasn't a, a desire in my heart. It was just, you know, he's half the reason I'm on this crazy planet. Something inside of me said I should go try to get to know him. So I did. I remember standing in his kitchen at age 14. His wife looked at me, and she said, You know, Herb, your father really loves you and wishes you would visit more often. And I remember thinking, now, you have to understand, I was raised by a single mom. Do you remember that? Single moms have an incredible ability to teach their boys when to open their mouth and when to keep it shut. Have you noticed that? And I was raised by a tough mom. And I knew that at that moment it wasn't the opportune time for me to speak to my stepmother what I was thinking. But as a 14-year-old kid, I remember thinking, love? Boy, what dad needs for his birthday is a Webster's Dictionary. I could define for him what love is. And this has not been it. Nonetheless, I continue to go back and visit. And then I turned 16. And something happened that would radically, when I was 16 years old, something happened that radically changed the course of the rest of my days. Anyone want to guess what that was? A license? No, that changed the rest of my parents' life, not mine. <laughs> No, my mom, maybe, but that's not what it was. No, no. And my first what? Child? No, not at 16. Shoo, I'd have felt sorry for that one. I was a mess at 16. Anyone else? Any other guesses? I met the woman of my dreams. Can I just be honest? And from the first time I saw her, I knew. You say you're only 16. What did you know? 16-year-olds know something. Anybody here ever been 16 before? <laughs> we did. And I remember seeing her. I knew from the first time I saw her. I knew this is the woman that I am going to marry. And you know what's ironic? From the first time she saw me, she knew the exact same thing that I wanted to marry her that is and so she kept me at arm's distance for two years until we turned 18 then once we turned 18 we became just friends you know what I'm talking about when you, you people say what's going on with you and so and so and you say oh we're just friends that's right we're just friends and then things began to get more serious and then I decided you know I'm not going to live forever when you're in your teens you're really worried about how old you're getting I decided I'm going to ask her to marry me. And so we were actually going to school here in California. She was successfully going to school in Southern California. I was trying to go to school in Northern California. And I decided I'm going to ask her to marry me and I'm going to do it at Monterey Bay. Everyone knows where that's at, right? I invited her for the weekend at Lover's Point. And while we were right there, as the, uh, the, uh, the, the bay there was lapping upon the rocks. It was a Friday evening. The sun was setting. And we don't have time tonight to go into all the romantic details because this is a seminar about my life history. But I remember taking her hand in mine. And you have to understand something about my wife back then. She wasn't always too quick on the uptake as a youngster. 
And I took her hand in mine and I knelt down on one knee. And as I looked her in the eye, it dawned on her what was taking place that evening. She took her hand out of mine. She stuck it straight out, just like that. And she said, don't even think of asking me to marry you. And, the, and all hope died inside of me. And then she said one word that I will forever be thankful for. Do you know what it was? Until. Boy, hope revived. Until when? And she looked me straight in the eye. You know what she had the audacity to say? She said, until you first have a relationship with your father. Because I'm not going to marry anyone who has a dysfunctional relationship with either one of their parents. I thought, man, not only is she drop dead gorgeous, she's actually intelligent. But then I thought about it, man, talk about visits of a compulsory nature. Now I'm really going back to visit dad, not because I want to, but because I what? Have you ever had something in your life that the harder you tried, the harder it got? Anyone ever been there? The more energy you put into it, only a few of you. The rest of you, your life's been easy. The more energy you put in, the more frustration you get back. Anyone ever had that happen to them? It's like that proverbial carrot, which is right beyond your fingertips. You're wanting it, but you can't ever quite get it. You know what I'm talking about? That's what this relationship with my dad was. I would try, and I would try, and I would try, knowing that marriage to this girl was in the balance. And I would try, and I would try, and I would try, and I'm going to be honest tonight. The relationship with my father never did click. Now, I did get it to a place where my wife was deceived enough to say, I do. Does that make sense? And we did get married. But then when I was 23 years old, I'm 31 today, I have the privilege today of traveling all over this globe, helping people experience a better life. What a, what a joy. Hopefully you've come here for that this week. I remember seeing, sitting in his living room at age 23, my wife was seated on one couch and he was seated on the other and I was right there beside her and, and as they were talking I started to see my father who's have you ever met one of those good old southern boys? You know what I'm talking about? You ever heard of the phrase the good old boys club? You ever heard that phrase before? My father is one of those good old southern tough men. He's got cattle and the hat to prove it. Does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about? He never shows any emotions. He's just tough. Hardly ever smiles. And I remember my wife began to befriend him and to warm him up. And as he was softening that evening, there was something else transpiring in me. The, greater, the more relaxed my father began to get, the more stressed I was becoming. And the reason was because I know my wife. And I don't know where she's headed with any of this. Anybody here tonight married? Do you have the ability to communicate with your spouse without exchanging words? You can just look them in the eye and they know what you're thinking. Do anyone can do that? Anyone here? I looked at my wife and I gave her that look that all husbands give to their wife at some point or another. It's that look that says, what? on earth are you doing right now? Anyone ever gotten that look from your husband before? And then she looked back at me with that simple look that strikes fear into the heart of every husband. It's that look that every female is talented at giving. She looked at me and she had that expression on her face that simply communicated, Oh, nothing. Then I began to get really worried. And when my father was at his most relaxed moment, when he was the most vulnerable, my wife looked him in the eye and said, So Herb, I'm a second, his name is Herb too. She said, So Herb, why didn't you visit your son more often when he was a little boy? Hello? I'm in the room! I'm sitting here! I don't care how overweight I'm getting as I get older, underneath the couch was looking awfully feasible at the moment. And I remember looking at him and he looked at me and I looked at her 
She didn't dare look back at me. And then my father, he cleared his throat. And he said, well, Herb, I know you love your mother very much. And I would hate to do anything to disturb that. He said, but I think you're old enough to know something. He said, when I left your mother, and you have to understand why this caught my attention. Remember growing up, who had I always believed he had left? Now he's not singling me out. He's saying, when I left your mother, he said, I never in my wildest imagination even conceived of the thought that I was losing you. He said, you're my namesake. He told me of a very lengthy and heated custody battle. And I need to explain a little bit to you. My father's dad was the president of the girls' college in the town that I grew up in. You can imagine being the president of the town's educational facility on a collegiate level. You would have certain, a certain echelon of friends, wouldn't you? You'd have a certain crust of people that you hang out with. Crust is a good word. You'll get it later. But you can imagine the people that he would rub shoulders with. They were the doctors, the lawyers, the judges of the town. Are you with me? And it just so happened that the judge that was presiding over the custody case was best friends with my father's dad. And because it's a small town in the south, guess which direction the judge was leaning towards regardless of the facts. My mother sensed this and she was so tenacious that she had that judge debarred from ever practicing law in the state of West Virginia again. Can you imagine how heated that custody battle must have been? The next judge that came on the scene, what do you think their immediate response was? Give that woman whatever she wants. And she got full custody. He said, there's something else you have to see. And at this point, I'm not believing anything he's saying. We stand up and I follow him into his dining room and he has this huge antique buffet. Anyone here like antiques? Huge antique buffet. He opens up this drawer and he pulls out something like a shoebox. And as he lifts the lid off of this shoebox, does anyone want to guess what was inside the shoebox? Anyone guess? Letters. Everyone always says letters. That's a good guess. Anything else? Pictures. That's good. Anything else? Papers. Close. Anything else? Do you remember when your banks used to return the checks that you had written once they'd been processed in other people's bank account? Do you remember when they used to return them with your monthly statements? How many remember when banks used to do that? In this box was every child support check my father had ever written. Later that evening, I didn't look at the dates that they were written on. I looked at the dates that they had been processed in my mother's bank account. I went through every single one of them. Never was one missing and never was one late. Many times he had supported me with more than what the state even required. Until my 18th birthday, he had taken care of me. And then my father looked at me with tears streaming down his cheeks. Remember, what kind of a man is he? Sensitive or tough? It is the only time in my life that I've seen my father cry. But tears began to stream down his cheeks as he told me of birthday presents that were thrown away by my mother or packages that came back to him with nothing on them but return to sender. And as I sat there and I looked into the eyes of my father, the realization of what he was sharing with me at that moment, you know, there's always two sides, isn't there? The realization of what he was sharing began to hit home. And in that moment, he ceased to be my father and he became my dad and I felt something in that moment that I had never I was 23 years old 
And I'd never felt this for my father before. Do you know what it was for the first time in my life? Do you know what it was? For the first time in my life, I loved my dad. And I ask you tonight, how hard had I been trying to have a relationship with my father? Would you say I was putting forth effort? Was I getting back good results? But was I putting forth effort? Yeah. So the problem wasn't a lack of effort. What would the problem have been? What made the difference? What was the problem? You see, in one moment, talk to me now, in one moment, the relationship that I tried for years to have, it just clicked and it fell into place. Have you ever had something like that happen in your life? You try, you try, and try, and then when you give up, boom, it just happens. Anyone ever had that happen before in your life? What was it that made it click? Or otherwise, what was the problem? Truth? Knowledge? Understanding? What else? Misunderstanding. What else? I'm sorry? Intimacy. Yes, what else? Communication. I want to explain to you as we embark on this area of emotional healing tonight. You are going to be surprised how much this affects every area of your life. You were designed to be a functional human being, not a dysfunctional one. But good luck finding one of those today. Have you noticed? I want you to notice what the problem was. The problem wasn't a lack of effort on my part. The problem was that I had the wrong picture of the person I was trying to have a relationship with. How many would agree with me on that tonight? And as soon as the picture became corrected, then the effort made a difference. Are you with me? But up until that point, all the effort I was putting into it wasn't making a difference. Was it? Why am I sharing this story with you this evening? Because my story illustrates the best kept secret to experiencing life fulfillment. Many of us have tried to experience better things in all five of these areas. And we have. We've put in energy that where the more we've tried, the harder it's gotten. Have you been there? With some of these things on the board, have you been there? People try to lose weight. And as soon as they lose it, what happens? They gain it all back. Have you been there? Save up a lot of money and then all of a sudden the bills come. Have you been there? Finally get your temper out of under control and then something happens and you go and kick your dog. Have you been there? Don't admit it. It's California. They, they'll hurt you out here for that. Man, in West Virginia we got coal mines. We don't even know what smog testing is. That's a different story. You see, I'm going to explain to you a principle of how we operate. Before we look at what the Bible says on this, how we behave, can everyone see that? That's a B. How we behave is determined by how we what? It's in your outline as a hint. How we behave is determined by how we what? That's right. Do your feelings play a role in your behavior? Let me prove it to you. Have you ever known you should be doing something, but you didn't feel like it, so you didn't? Anyone ever been there before? Do your feelings play a role in your behavior? And why do we feel the way we do? Because of the way we what? Think. You're with me now. Why do we think the way we do? Because of the way we what? See. Let me explain it to you. You see, I had a certain picture of my father. Got it? Did that picture affect what I thought towards my father? Did it affect how I felt towards my father? Did it therefore affect how I behaved towards my father? And did it therefore affect what I experienced with my father? You see, this is the key. Many seminars that talk about life improvement, guess which out of the four they focus on the most? Behavior. Have you ever had that? They give you a list of things to do. Anyone ever been to a seminar on life improvement where they give you a list of things to do? Anybody here ever done it? And once you've done it, have you tried to do them? Have you put them into practice? How's that working for you? Did it work? No, because you're back here, aren't you? Yeah, we focus on behavior. When we want to have emotional healing, which one of the four are we told to focus on? We'll just fix this. If you want to stop feeling all the guilt and the shame here, just fix this. Anyone ever been told that before? 
If you want to get fit and you want to be healthy, which one of the four do you focus on? Oh, come on now. Am I the only one that's ever heard it before? Which one of the four do they focus on? Behavior. If you want to be spiritually fulfilled, oh, don't get me started. What does every religion in the world focus on out of these four? Be honest. Behavior. What about mental development? Here's a list of things you can do. Isn't it? What about financial freedom? What are you given? Another program, another to-do list. If you'll just follow these easy steps. Anyone ever tried to follow the steps and they not work for you financially? Anyone ever been there? You get frustrated, you get disappointed. You start to lose the hope that it can even happen for you. The problem isn't our effort. The problem is where our focus is. You see, the reason we're behaving the way we are, and don't get me wrong, does our behavior need to change if we're going to experience a better life? Does it? Yeah, because we only experience that which we have set in motion through our behavior. How many agree with me tonight? Are you, are you here? Okay. Why do we behave the way we do? Because of the way we what? Feel. And why do we feel the way we do? Because of the way we... And why do we think the way we do? Because of the way we... Now I want to ask you this. What determines how you see? Any ideas? Attitude is... I would say attitude falls in the realm of thoughts and feelings. It's the result of how we see. That's a good answer. What determines how we see? You talk to me. Experience, yes. What else? But not necessarily. Because a person can experience... Two people can experience the same exact thing and see it differently. Isn't that true? So what else? Perception. Perception? Well, that's what we're talking about. Seeing. What affects our... What determines what we perceive? Someone said it. Beliefs. What you choose to believe. Are you hearing me? What you choose to believe in this seminar will determine how you see those things. How you see those things will determine how you think about them, how you feel about them, and how you behave in relation to them. See, some of you tonight are being challenged already. Because I've talked about things in those five areas that some of you don't even believe it's possible for you to have. Have you felt it in the room? How many of you would like more money in your life? I'm just going to pick on that one. But you know that is one of the greatest areas. It is, it is the hardest area to get people to believe that they can experience freedom in. What you choose to believe in any one of these areas will determine whether you get that something more in that area that you long for. I'm going to challenge you in this seminar. There are going to be principles that you encounter that are going to cut across the grain to what you've been taught, how you've been raised, what our culture is saying today. But I'm going to encourage you, do not settle for status quo. If you want to be different, if you want to have what others don't, then you've got to believe what others don't. Amen? And if you believe what they don't, then, you gotta, then you, you'll be open to see what others don't. You'll think differently than other people. You'll feel differently. How many would just like to feel different in your life right now? You'll feel differently and you'll behave differently. And because you're behaving differently, you'll have a totally different experience in life. Do you see how it works? But it all boils down in each of one of these areas of emotional healing, fitness and health, spiritual fulfillment, mental development, financial freedom. It all depends upon what you choose to believe. Are you hearing me tonight? It is your belief system that is dictating the life that you're living right now. And I'm going to show you in each subject. We're going to go over each one of these and I want to encourage you. The reason this series is different. The reason this series is separate from any other and people from all over the globe have said I've never encountered anything like this before is because this is a series that doesn't focus on just you fixing your behavior how many are tired of that approach in your life anybody tired been worn out by that this is an approach that is not focused on you fixing your behavior but helping you believe the things that will change the way you see think 
feel, and then behave. This becomes the natural result of believing the right things. How many would like to believe the right things? Now let me encourage you, if you want to have a different life, it's going to call for change. Can you have a different life and not go through change? I guarantee you there are some of you, if you want an experience that's different in every one of these areas, you're going to experience things in this seminar that are going to change every single aspect of your life in those areas. If you want to stay the same, if you don't want to experience that change, then you can't experience something greater in those areas. Are you hearing me tonight? Do you understand what I'm saying? Many people want to keep doing the same things they've always done, but get different what? You know what that's the definition of, don't you? That's right, insanity. If you want different results, change what you're what? Did someone just say doing? Did someone have the audacity to say doing? If you want different results, change what you are what? Believing. Are you with me? Because what you believe will change what you what? See, and that will change what you what? And that will change what you what? And that will change how you... And that will change the life that you are living. See, many of us want a happy, joyous life. But the way we're living is setting in motion a chain of events that are working contrary to the life you want to live. Well, I'm not going to tell you how to change your behavior. I'm going to show you the principles that I'm going to encourage you to believe are true. And in believing those principles, you're going to see radical change. In almost every area of your life. Are you, are you ready for that? Do you want that? Do you, the first thing to believe is, do you believe it's even possible? Do you believe it's possible for you to experience life unlimited in every one of these areas? Let me share it with you. Before we close in this session, I'm going to break in about nine more minutes. We're going to break for some refreshments. And then we're going to move into one of the single greatest barriers for people in experiencing emotional healing. We're going to deal with a belief system. But I want to share with you just a few texts here. In John 10 verse 10, take your hand out with me. We're going to move quickly. In John 10 verse 10, notice what it says. The thief comes only to what? Steal to what? And to what? I have come that they might have what? Life and that they might have it how? What's another way of saying that? Life what? Life what? Unlimited. Are you with me? Jesus came, contrary to what some well-minded followers of Jesus will say, Jesus came to give us life and to have it how? More abundant. How many would like to experience more abundance in every one of these areas of your life? To have it abundantly. That's what He came for. Now that might not be some, what some religion is preaching or what some church has shown you, but that's what Jesus said He came for. Are you with me? Do you understand? Is it going to take us believing something different than the masses in order to experience something different? Do you believe tonight that that's what Jesus came for? He didn't come to set forth crusades that kill thousands of people. Are you hearing me? Jesus did not come to abuse young children. Are you hearing me on that one? Religion today is guilty of some of the grossest crimes on planet earth. And God forgive us. It is the thief that Jesus himself said. Have you noticed how contrary Christianity, and, I, and I'm a Christian, okay, I'm going to be honest with you, but something that concerns me, have you noticed how many things there are in Christianity that contradict what Jesus taught? Anyone ever heard of Gandhi? Do you know what one phrase Gandhi is famous for saying? He said, I believe in the teachings of Jesus. He said, I would be a Christian if it weren't for what? Christians. I'm going to encourage you, it is not my burden in this seminar to make you a Christian. However you define that. Are you hearing me? I want to plug you in to what Jesus came to give you as a person. Do you see the difference? In hopes that you can have life and have it more abundantly. How many want that? Yeah, it's going to take some difference. It's going to take looking at things a little differently, believing things a little differently. You see, he said in Luke 18:29, an interesting statement. 
There is no one who has left house, wife, brother, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much. Notice what it says. At, what does it say? This time and in, and in the age to come what? Which one do most religious people focus on? Out of the two. Life abundance in this time or eternal life? Which one? And don't get me wrong, is your eternity important? Oh yes, absolutely. But notice, don't emphasize one to the neglect of the other. Are you listening? Jesus came not just to give us life abundance in the hereafter. Jesus came to give us life abundance when? At this time. Do you see that there in that passage? He said, no one who's left father or mother. Why does he say this? Aren't we encouraged to strengthen the bonds of family and our friends? Aren't we encouraged to do that? Why would he say that we leave those things for the kingdom of God? Well, let me explain it to you. The kingdom of God operates by certain principles that I'm going to introduce to you during this seminar. Those principles will unlock for you life abundance in all those areas. But I want to be very clear, some of those principles are going to cause you to have to abandon the way your parents taught you, the way your families have raised you, the way your friends operate. You don't need to reject your friends, are you with me? But you'll have to start believing things differently than they do. Why? Why? Because what you believe determines what you want. And what you see determines what you... And what you think determines how you... And how you feel determines how you... And how you behave will determine what you experience. Are you with me? But will we be called at times to believe things that are contrary to how we were raised? Anybody here agree with that? Anybody see that? It'll challenge you, but I guarantee you the reward of believing things differently will be great. Are you willing to take the risk? Are you, do you really want a different life? Do you really want a better life? A couple more verses. Let's close with this one. In Genesis 3, this is a, whether you agree with this story or not, whether you're an evolutionist or a creationist, it doesn't matter to me tonight. There is a story here that there's a certain principle that I want you to see. Notice it says here in this Christian story, in this biblical story, Christian tradition, it says that in Genesis 3, 1-4, through 4, that the serpent, talking about the Garden of Eden, the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will what? And then the serpent says to the woman, You will, what does he say? not surely die. Now notice, who is the serpent here implying has lied? God. Why is he saying God has lied to Eve? Okay. Think about everything we've covered tonight. Where is the serpent focusing on in Eve's experience? Did he just walk up and say, Hey! I'm going to burn! Eat this fruit and join me. Is that what he said? No. He didn't walk up and focus on her behavior. He didn't even mention her behavior. Where did he begin? Oh, God has lied to you, Eve. Why? Because if she believed it, what would happen? Would she see things differently? Would she think differently? Would she feel differently? Would she behave differently? Notice what the serpent's saying. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be what? Opened. What do we do with our eyes? Which one of the four? We see. Your eyes will be opened. Therefore, he's lied to you, Eve. He knows you'll be just like him. And then notice what happens in the very next verse. I want you to see this. When the woman what? When the woman what? When the woman what? Saw that the tree was what? Good. What first changed in the woman? How she what? According to this story, it was how she saw. Let me show you. Can I show you one more? Yeah, we got two minutes. Flip over and look at the top of the next page in John 5.19. This will come a shocker to many of you. I share this with religious people all over the planet and they can't believe it. We have this certain picture of Jesus, don't we? And don't get me wrong. 
Jesus, I believe, I'm a Christian, I believe that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Did you hear me say that? I'm a Christian. But I want you to understand what Jesus also said. In John 5.19, Jesus said, He answered and was saying to them, Truly I say unto you, the Son of Man can... What's that word? The Son of Man can what? Do. When we talk about what you do and what you don't do, which one of the four is He talking about? Behavior. He said He could do how much of Himself? How much of Himself? How much could Jesus do all by Himself according to this? According to Him. How much? Nothing. And then notice what it says. Unless it is something He... What's that next word? Sees the Father do. The point I want you to get from this is was even Jesus doing dependent upon His seeing? Was it? If you take nothing else from tonight's first presentation, what I'm going to call for you to do in this seminar is to see things differently. Once again, yes, it's going to take believing things that are different, but it's, the point is to help us see differently. Why is seeing things differently so important? Why is it so vital? Because remember the story with my dad. What was the problem? What I was doing? What I was thinking? What I was feeling towards him? Was that the problem? No, see if you agree with me. The problem was once again I had the wrong picture of the person I was trying to have a relationship with. Do you agree? Could it be that the reason many of these areas in our life have become so frustrating to us is not because we're not doing enough, but we've got the wrong picture of the things that we're struggling so hard with. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Alright, we're going to break for 15 minutes. We're going to take a break. Well, what I want you to do, there are refreshments provided for you on the back table. The handouts for the next meeting, where are they? They are on the registration table. And the bathrooms, if you need to use the restroom, if you will look straight out this door, down that hallway, at the other end of that hallway, on the right is the ladies' room, on the left is the men's room. That is the closest restroom to where we're having this session. Thank you for coming. We will see you in 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. We're going to cover next the greatest single misunderstanding, misbelief that people have today that keep them from healing emotionally. We'll see you in 15. Thanks for being here.